we're going to talk about. I call this particular part body and spirit here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. This is uh, a prophetic word spoken. It says, it's God speaking. He says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not, you did not desire. And this is the Father speaking. But a body, and Jesus said, but a body you have prepared, prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And this is Jesus. He said, then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. And he also, in verse 8, he talks about something that was previously said. And we want to show uh, how they parallel, but there's still a distinction between both statements that are made. He says, previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Then he says, He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is a very potent scripture because it shows us what God said, and then we see the continuum. We see how he expands his statement where we begin to see where that which had been spoken is manifested. First of all, we begin to see, he says, sacrifice and offerings uh, of sins you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them. Because he says, you did not have pleasure in them even though they were offered and they were accepted according to the law. Uh, we're talking about the Old Testament sacrifices that were made, and he says he accepted them. He says, and, but he says that, that he found no pleasure in those, he, those sacrifices and sins. He had no pleasure in them. In other words, they did not satisfy his heart, but they were merely signs or emblems that were leading to something much greater. Uh, he says that here I'm doing this as preparation. I'm doing this to prepare what is yet to take place. So we begin to see the sacrifice of bulls and heifers and all the other sacrifices that were made. He says, I, I received them from the hands of men, but he says, but I find no pleasure in them. But then he began to say, Jesus began to say, but behold, I come. And in the volume of the books, it is written of me. So we begin to see that all that was written in the Old Testament was all leading towards the coming of the Lord. And Jesus Christ was a fulfillment of all of those sacrifices and offerings that were in fact made. And then the first he says to do your will. He then he takes away the first. He takes away the first that the second may be established. In other words, he brought an end to those sacrifices and offerings of bulls and sheep and heifers and you name it and goats. There was an end brought to all of that, he says, because now instead of the symbolisms and all of those symbolisms that preceded, he says now there's a body 
that is actually living out or giving full expression to the will of God. Uh, he says, and he said, this, uh, we have, by this we will be sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And Jesus Christ, and you begin to see what was said when Jesus Christ was baptized in water, and when he came up out of the water, how the voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. And he didn't say that. Here he says in these sacrifices, he, was, he found no pleasure. He was not pleased in those. But here he says of his son, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When he says, I am well pleased, he is saying, this satisfies my heart. This brings full satisfaction to the longing of my soul. It is a sacrifice of Jesus Christ when he, was, when he sacrificed himself. Now, mind you, in the baptism, it wasn't the physical act of dying and the physical act of being raised from the dead, but it was also symbolic as it was with the goats and heifers and all the other sacrifices that had occurred. But here Jesus Christ was saying, in essence, he says, I am I am willing, I have yielded myself through this sim symbolism, through the symbolic, uh, through symbolism of baptism, being baptized in water and then being raised out of the water. He says this baptism symbolizes a grave, a watery grave that I'm being baptized in. And then by him being raised up out of the water, he is saying now, is symbolic of the fact that once he, had once he had died, that God would raise him up from the dead. And then the Father said, he said, since you have manifested, since you have demonstrated this, in fact, the Bible says it is fitting that he fulfill all righteousness. He says, since you've demonstrated this, then the Father said, this is my beloved Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I am not just pleased, in whom I am well pleased. I am fully pleased in the fact that he has submitted himself fully to my will. Now, as we begin to look at uh, the whole thing of the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus, and we look at here, we begin to see, as I mentioned the other day, there was a time when Jesus was not. Jesus was not. He was born uh, of a virgin, Mary, and understand when the Holy Spirit hovered over her, and in fact, we'll read that in, in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. He says, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called a Son of God. So he is saying that the time will come. Here she is, a virgin, he says, but, but the angel said to her, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit. Now, now that reminds me so much of what we read in Genesis 1 when he says about how the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, over the face of darkness, and it hovered over the face of the deep. And when God spoke his word, uh, he said, let there be. And when God spoke his word, he began to operate. And we begin to see the division of darkness 
uh, light from darkness and all the other things that came to pass as a result of the Holy Spirit being activated and operative as a result of the word being spoken. But here we see the word of God. Uh, first of all, he says, I will impregnate you with the word of God. I will impregnate. The Holy Spirit will impregnate you with the word of God. God spoke the word. He says the Holy Spirit was hovering over her, and then she would be impregnated so that the word of God will actually be within her womb. And he says, and he says, and the angel said, this is who will happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that holy one is to be born, will be called the Son of God. He says, it is, he said, that which will come out of the Holy Spirit hovering over you will be called the Son of God. He says, in other words, God is his Father. Now, we understand the body of Jesus, and we talk about the Spirit of Christ, because we talk about the body of Jesus, which was not the Spirit of Christ, which has always been. Uh, the Spirit of Christ is always, we understand that, that, that the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, the three, the tripartite God has always been. He says, but now what will happen when uh, the Spirit of Christ enters into, well, when you, she's impregnated and there's a birth given, it says, his name shall be called. His name shall be called Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus. He says, so I will give him a name which will represent who he is and what has occurred here. He says, the Holy One shall be called, he says, his name shall be called Jesus, but understand this, he is the Son of God. He shall be called. Now, when we talk about that, we look at his pedigree, his pedigree. His pedigree is that he is God, because understand, the Holy Spirit would have impregnated her, so therefore that which is born of her is born of the Spirit. He says, so he is God. He says, but understand his pedigree, that's his pedigree, but his calling, he shall be called the Son of God. He says, so now we begin to see Christ, who is the incarnate Word, which has always existed, but now we see Jesus, who is coming into being, and he says, but now we see Jesus Christ, who shall be called the Son of God, and then it goes on to say that his mission, his mission, that he shall uh, be Lord over all creation. He shall be Lord, his lordship over all of God's creation. Now, that's important to understand also is because you have to understand what had occurred as a result of sin, how the authority that had been given to humanity, that authority had been given to man, was lost. Uh, man had abdicated his authority as a result of sin, and therefore he had... Uh, surrendered that which God had initially given man to the devil. So what happened, he says, now in order for that, in order for that authority to be regained, he says what will happen, uh, his mission will be to regain lordship. His mission shall be of such so that he shall be called uh, the son of God, but understand he would also eventually, his mission would be having lordship over all 
of God's creation. Previously, Lord, but, but understand the process of that. As we read in Scripture, where it talks about when he says, in the beginning was a word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, without him was nothing made that was made. But then it goes on to say that as many has received him, he gave power to become the, the sons of God or children of God, as many as received him. So previously, uh, his lordship was restricted to those who would receive him. His lordship was restricted to those who would receive him. But ultimately, his lordship would be over all. In other words, his objective in coming was to bring all things under, subject, be brought under his subjection. His, 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 his objective, his, his ultimate call is to bring all things under his lordship. That's why the Bible says, in, it talks about how, uh, it, it, how it, it, every knee shall bow. It says, first of all, every knee should bow, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But then eventually, it says, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. So now we begin to see flesh, the rebellious flesh, flesh, fleshly appetites, where man had become, Bible talks about, he says, but man had become but flesh, the rebelliousness within humanity, the fleshly rule. And the Bible calls it in Romans 6, in verse 6, it says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves of sin, but he who has died has been freed from sin. So when he talks about the old man, he's talking about the man who has his fleshly appetite, whose lives were governed by uh, the, the uh, dictates of the flesh. In other words, the enemy taking full charge of his particular life. And understand, the Bible helps us to understand all of us were one day there. There was a time when it all existed there where we were fleshly ruled you see, we didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. We didn't know anything about being led by the Spirit. What is it really? We might have heard about it, but I mean to really know what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it mean to be surrendered to the Holy Ghost so that now we are no longer following the dictates of the flesh? You, you see, because the truth of the matter, you did what you did. You do what you do, and you act the way you act, but you don't understand where it's all coming from. And that's really how we lived our lives. We just did what we did. We live in an environment where people do what they do. They live like they live, and we just fall in line with living just like people are living around us. But the truth of the matter is that we are living according to the flesh, fleshly ruled, you see, following the dictates of the flesh, the way we feel about a particular thing, the way we think about a particular thing is the way we behave ourselves. So what happens, the Bible helps us to understand that, that, that Jesus Christ came, uh, and the Bible says, knowing this, that the old man was crucified. Now, this applies to those that receive him, that receive Jesus Christ. We talk about his incarnation. Now we see the, the, the fullness of the Spirit of Christ within the body of Jesus. So now he is Jesus Christ. Let me help you understand something Christ is not his last name. Christ is not his last name. But we understand he is Jesus the Christ. He is Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. He is the anointed one, Jesus the anointed one and his anointing. So now when we understand this, 
we begin to look at the fact that the one that was looked for, the one that was, was expected in the future, had finally come. And then when he came, he came on our behalf, and he says, so when we receive him, after being flesh-ruled, flesh-ruled, and having fleshly appetites, flesh desires, he says, and then he comes into our lives, he says, knowing this. It's important to hear this now, knowing this. If you don't know this, you're still fleshly-ruled. <laughs> you see, that's why the, the right instructions must come forth and must take place, that you're instructed in understanding, first of all, the sinfulness of sin, that before you knew this, your flesh dictated to you, and you did those things that your flesh uh, dictated for you to do. He says, but the thing is that you have gained knowledge beyond this, and this is spiritual knowledge and spiritual understanding, and, and, and that comes as a result of being taught this being instructed in this. He says, so now, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Now, understand the symbolisms. The symbolism is, what, it, what was that? The Old Testament, it was, uh, it was sheep, goats, and heifers, and all the other sacrifices, he said, which he did not desire, he found no pleasure in. But then we see Jesus Christ being baptized in water, representing a watery grave, and then may raise up out of that watery grave. And then what happens, here we come on the scene, and we are, what, baptized in water, but we're saying the same thing. We are saying that our lives are no longer our own, that we too have died with Christ, you, you see. Now, understand, we have died before we physically die. We have died even before we have actually uh, come to the place of understanding the things that we are yet to be set free from, that we are set free from, but we don't fully understand what we've been set free from. So therefore, our behavior, for the most part, might not fully express what has taken place within us. But yet, watch what we're saying now, but yet we are saying through baptism that we are identifying with his death. We say, look, it's no longer me, but now my life belongs to the Lord. It is his life now. My life belongs to him. So as a result of that, when we make this declaration, then we are giving permission to the Holy Spirit to work this in us. We say, Lord, now work this in me. I am saying this. Now I want the Holy Spirit to work this within me. He says, so, but, but knowing this, you have to continually be reminded of the fact that the old man was crucified with him. You have to be continually reminded that, 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 in other words, you've been set free from the old habits, the old fleshly appetites, and the things that you felt that you could not do without. The Bible says you've been set free from that now. You've been set free from that. Whether you behave that way or not, you don't have to any longer. Because what happens, the very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that has been dispensed to you to set you free. He says, so now knowing this, that you've been crucified with him, and you have to be constantly reminded that you've been crucified with him. He says that now, you see, I, I, I'm, dead to, I'm dead to the world. I'm dead to the fleshly appetites. He says that the body of sin might be done away with that the body of sin. Now, we talk about the body, 
of uh, uh, the body of Jesus Christ, but then we also understand the body of sin, the body of sin, the sinfulness, that man, that, that my spirit shall not always strive with man because he is but flesh. He says, so it is saying, so there's no good in the body of sin, in the body of sin. So, so now understand, that's not hating this flesh uh, and, and, and blood. It's not hating your physical body. But we are talking about the fleshly mindset, the fleshly appetites. You see, those are the things that we must despise. He says, so now we're saying that we've been crucified with him so that the body of sin may be done away with, so that it might be done away with. So, so we're crucified with him, identifying with him, so the body of sin may be done away with, so that we no longer be slaves to sin, so that we no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, you know the story. God, we can be set free, but not know you're free. <clears throat> As it was with the Emancipation Proclamation. You see, when the Emancipation Proclamation on New Year's Day, the, the slaves have been set free, but that's why we celebrate Juneteenth, <laughs> because the word hadn't gotten across to everybody yet. You see, all the slaves yet. So, so the enemy would like for you to think that you're still a slave until you get the message. The message has to get to you that on the day that you fully identified with Christ was the day that you were emancipated from the sinful habits that control your life. He says, so now, this is what he is saying. He said, you've been set free from sin. For he who died has been set free from sin. So, so now we begin to look at Jesus Christ again, Jesus Christ again, and understand, I'm still dealing with Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. I'm dealing with Jesus, the person, the body, and I'm looking at the Spirit, Christ, and how they both, or how he is now Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Christ, one and the same. That's what we see in, Genesis, I mean, in John chapter 1 and verse 14. He says, in the beginning, uh, the, he said, the Word became flesh. Now we begin to see incarnation. The Word became, as I mentioned the other day, what the Word had never been before. The Word became, this is incarnation, the Word became what the Word had never been before. And I also said to you that once the Word became, the Word can never unbecome. It can never undo what had become. He says, so now the Word became flesh, and understand, here's an, here's an amazing thing. The Word became what the Word had never been before, and then the Word dwelt among us. The Word dwelt among sinful flesh or sinful humanity in order to manifest the presence of Christ even among sinful flesh. He dwelt among us, and he says, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, and he says, and he's full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth. Now, understand, not just full of grace. Grace, not receiving what we deserve, and understand the benevolence of God releasing us or dispensing to us the things that we can use in order to be applied to make a difference in our lives and in the lives of others, but it's also we are full of truth because the grace of God becomes impotent 
or it's not, it's not effective, it's un, not effective lest it's rooted and grounded in the truth. So understand, the church must be the pillar and, and the grounds for truth. And, and under, if we're going to operate in the grace of God, we must make sure that we, we're, we're solid and we are established in the truth of God. So he says, so now he is saying that, that, that this is what happens. We beheld his glory, the glory, the glory, the end result of the only begotten Son uh, of the Father. He is full of both grace and truth. And he says, and John bore witness and cried out saying, he said, this is, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me. For he was before me. And I understand they're cousins now. And they were born around the same time. He said, but what I, I'm seeing now, John baptizing beforehand, and he says, but now I see him through different lenses. You see, I don't see him merely as my cousin. I don't see him as merely a person that's existing in this day and hour. But I see him now. I see him now. He said, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. He said, look, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he looked at himself. He says, all this preaching, because he was the last prophet. John was the last prophet. He was the, and, and, and the last of the prophets of the Old Testament. And he says, so he was prophesying at the particular time, and, and all his works were prophetic because he was leading towards that which was greater. And then he says, and we saw when Jesus came, he was the fulfillment of all the laws and the prophecies. So when John saw him, John said, wait a minute now. I, I'm, you're ba baptized under John's baptism. He said, this is the Lamb of God who doesn't just cover the sins of the world, but he fully removes, he takes away the sins of the world. He says, so the sins of the world are removed as a result of the one that you're looking at. And I believe that, you have to see the dynamic of this. John saw him in a different light. At that particular moment, the Lord opened his eyes up to see Christ, to see Jesus, his cousin, as Christ. He said, behold, the Son of, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and, and when he saw him, you see, he beheld his glory and he gave witness uh, to him. He said, this is he whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. Look at this. Look at this. I see him. We're born around the same time, but I see the one that has come after me in the natural is preferred before me. He came after me, but he is preferred before me. He said, because his natural birth was at the beginning of his existence. He said, but now the Lord enables him to see the fact that he is the Christ, that the eternal one, the eternal one resided within flesh. He said, for he is before me. He was before me. And then he says, and of his fullness, out of the one that I just pointed out to you, out of his fullness, we all received. And we talked about grace again, grace and truth. 
He says, grace in order to receive grace. Grace for grace. Out of his fullness, we receive grace, light for light, grace for grace. That grace that leads us to greater grace. Out of his fullness, out of his fullness. Now, now I, I, I began to read that and I, and I wondered, uh, because I used to think about we get a bit of Christ, a piece of Christ, a degree of Christ. And, and then we, I got to the place of really looking at that and understand that we are filled with the Spirit of Christ. We're filled with the Spirit of God. He, he doesn't just give us a little bit of himself, but he gives us all of himself. I want you to hear what I'm saying here. He gives us all of himself. That's what, uh, that's what we have to understand. Now, if you're operating by degree, then you've not really come to a full understanding of what is being offered to you. He don't just give you a little bit of himself. He gives himself fully to us. And, and I begin to look at that in, in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, 17. And he gave me a whole different uh, uh, bent on this particular scripture. He said, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that's being established as love, you may be able to comprehend. Now, it is said to receive, but to comprehend, to understand with all the saints what is the, the, the length, the width, the length, and depth, and height. He says, he says, now understand, I've given it to you. He said, but your knowledge had not attained all that has been given. You have not reached that point of comprehending the dimensions of that gift in which you've received. And he says, he says, now in this, you're rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints the dimensions and dynamics of the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. He says, now what are you doing? He says, so now you're postured to see that the grace of God and that the, that the grace for grace, that which God dispenses to us and even the faith in order to work for that grace to work through us. He says, it all, it, it, it is the thing that motivates it is love. He said, it's love. He says, so now what happens, he is saying in essence, is that I want you to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. I want you to know the love of Christ. Now we're talking about Christ, the spirit of Christ. So the spirit of Christ dwelling in our hearts richly. The Spirit of Christ, I hope you're still with me, the Spirit of Christ dwelling in our hearts richly. He is saying in essence, he says, so now the Spirit of Christ dwelling in your house is the love of God. It's the love of God so that we love, we love with his love. We love with his love. It is saying, so now whatever we do, whatever we engaged in that now, we're doing it because it is the love of God that, that motivates us. It, it is the Spirit of Christ. Now, now understand now, it, it, is the full, it is the Spirit of Christ that, that, that's moving us in a particular direction. So he says, so now what happens, it is not receiving a greater degree of, of, of Christ, but a greater degree of the knowledge of his love. Degree, so, so the whole thing, how how vast, how large, how rich is God's love for us? How much, we say God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but how much love is that? How can, how can you measure 
the depth of his love. We must, but he says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. He said, he said, that you may be filled, that knowledge of his love, that's when you're filled with the fullness of God. When you're filled with the knowledge of his love, then you're filled with also the fullness of God. So you don't need to get more of, of God, you see, but to be filled, you, you see, is it, knowledge of his love. It's knowledge of love. I understand his love in a way I've never loved. So, so the same thing, we talk about our, our, how can we get God to, to operate? That, that's me now. I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to see more successes when I pray. I want, to see, I want to see more impact made upon the lives of individuals. I want to see a greater impact made. The Lord is saying, I want you to know my love in a way you've never known it before. I want you to know my love. So, so understand. So what happens, instead of running away from God and saying, well, okay, Lord, this didn't happen, that didn't happen, the other thing didn't happen, so what is this all about? No, Lord, there are dimensions and degrees of your love that I have not attained, I am yet to attain. And I want to get there. I want to know your love. I want to know your love, which past knowledge, past understanding. I want you to reveal your love to me. I want you to reveal your love to me. And understand what happened. Jesus was moved with compassion. And certain things would occur. It was compassion that moved his heart. And we begin to see uh, how that compassion within his heart will cause certain things to occur. So now, he says, he says, we're filled with the fullness of God. And, and, and then what happens, here's another scripture that helped me understand this. Was in, it was in John again, John 3, 34. He says, for whom God has sent. He's talking about Jesus here. He speaks the word of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. Did you hear that? He does not give the spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. But then in him giving all things into his hands, the Jesus now says, Jesus Christ says, now uh, he, he, he's given all things to us. He said, that which I've received from the Father, I give to you. That which I've received from the Father, I give to you. So now what is he saying? He says, I've given you access to what I have. I've given you access to what I have. He says, so now he who God sent speaks the word of God. He says, so now watch what happens. It is the Spirit of God then that speaks to our hearts. But let me help you understand it this way. Let me see if I can put it this way. We have a love for the word. We have a love for his word. That you see, you see what happens we're going back to Jesus now, in Christ rather. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So what happens, it brings us right back to that place of having a Word, a love for His Word, a love for His promises, a love for His commandments. Do you see that? We love what God has spoken. And if we love what God has spoken and don't, if we love what God has spoken, then we can believe on that which God has spoken. And if we believe on that which God has spoken, then our faith can operate in such a way that we can see the impact made as a result of the faith that's exercised in us. And I said, Lord, help me to do that. Help me to get there so that 
what I'm doing here. I, I, I say whatever deficiency in the area of love. So we thought love was just a little bit of something that, that we, I love you because I feel warm, a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart towards you. Or I love you because I, I, you want to be intimate with a particular person. But now we see love in a whole different light. No, I realize that, that, that the grace of God, the power of God, and all those things that, 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 that God has done and God is doing, it all operates from agape. It is the love of God. It is the love of God. And I say, Lord, I want to know that love. I want to know that love. I want to know that love like I've never known it before. I want to know your love. I want to know the dimensions of your love. And understand, his love is not just within the, the parameters of time, but it extends all the way into eternity. This little life we live is just a blip in, 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 in uh, I would say, the, the dimensions of eternity. It's just a little, little bleep. But then he says, I love you with an eternal love. I love you with a love that is everlasting. My love is everlasting. I love you. Here's another thing. I loved, I loved you when you were just a thought in my mind. You say, when did we begin? We begin as a thought. We begin as a thought. Before you were born, you were a thought. You say, what was I before I was born? You were a thought in God's mind. God thought of you. And understand, when God's thinking, when God thinks, it is not linear. It's not that God came up with an idea. No, God had you on his mind before the foundations of the world. Can you imagine that? And he says, I love you. And I begin to wonder. I said, Lord, how did you protect me from this thing, that thing, and the other? He said, because what I did, I loved you before you were you. I loved you before you were born. I loved you before you were born. I loved you from eternity because my thoughts towards you were from eternity. My thoughts towards you were from eternity. You still stand with me? My thoughts towards you were from eternity. But not only that, my thoughts towards you not only were from eternity past, but they extend into eternity future. I see you I see you 15,000 years in the future. <laughs> I see you 40,000 years in the future. I already see you. He said, and what am I doing? I'm taking you through this life, this life experience, this thing that we call life, because I, I'm, I'm preparing you for this, to live with me forever. And you're going to try to make up, you're going to try to, in, uh, you're going to try to interpret my love based upon a particular experience that might have taken place within time, just like it was, Lord, why did you spare me in time? Because I saw you in eternity. I saw you in eternity. And I'm working things out because I, already see, I see you. I see you. I see you dwelling with me forever. And everything that takes place in your life is all preparation for reigning with God forever. He says, so now, he says, as we be a look at it, he says, so, so now he, he speaks to us. And the word of God is eternal word. The word spoken is eternal. He is speaking words that, that are, that, that's why it doesn't make sense. 
to a person that's not born again. It's foolishness to him because understand this. If you're speaking from eternity future and a person is locked into a time warp, a, a time thing, they just living within time, then the word that's eternal doesn't make sense to him or her because they don't, they don't see. You see, their love is, is, if you really love me, you'll give me some candy. If you really love me, you'll give me the ice cream. If you really love me, you'll give me all the things that I want in life. And the Lord says, you don't know my love. The height, depth, width, and breadth of my love takes, it stays beyond the moment. I'm preparing you for eternity. I love you. I have loved you even through your generations to lead to this particular moment. But I loved you leading into eternity future. That's how much love God has for us. He, so, so now, he, he, but he's watching over his word to perform it. He says, now, what am I doing? I'm watching your behavior because you say you love me. You see, we can't love him less he loved us first, but we must have knowledge of his love in order to respond. How do I respond to God? I respond to him having knowledge of his love. So now, what do I do? I weigh my behavior based upon my knowledge of his love. Lord, you love me this much, therefore, I don't do the things I would normally do because I have knowledge of your love. You, you see, it's no longer the law any longer because before him was the law. Lord, I, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get, I don't want to go to jail. I just don't want to, I don't want to go to hell. Let's put it this way. I just want to go to hell. And, and that motivation, I don't want to go to, I, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to hell. Therefore, my behavior is governed by these restrictions that are placed upon me. But then we get to the place, you say, I understand dynamics of his love. Now, Lord, you love me this much. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to fall short. These are the experts because with love or expectations, God does not force us to do anything. He says, but your response to my love will motivate you to do what you're to do. He said, do you really love me? That's what he asked his disciples. Do you really love me? Do you really love me? And you say, yeah, I love you, but as long as you let me have my way. As long as you're doing what I want you to do. As long, you say, hey, do you really love me? As long as it's convenient. As long as it doesn't cost me too much. You see that? Then I love you. You see, those, the love having so many conditions placed upon it. But then when we have this love and understand the dimensions of his love, dynamics of his love from eternity past, eternity future, Lord, you love me this much and you're helping me to comprehend the dynamics of your love. Lord, I, I don't want this little thing that has come as a temptation to, I don't want to yield to that because I don't want to disappoint a God who loves me this much. So now, here's the message. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 13, he said, These things we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Same Spirit now, Spirit of Christ. He said, so we are teaching not with words of human wisdom, because human wisdom will begin to look at those things that are practical. Let's look at a practical application. Let's look at what we can do for right here and right now. Let's live for today. Forget about tomorrow. 
he said, but the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But here's the problem. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man does not receive. We mentioned already about uh, man but flesh. He says, the natural man rejects the message that has an eternal, that's from an eternal perspective. He rejects it. He cannot receive. He does not receive the truth matter. He cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. No, you're just speaking on a different level. He, he said, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. When you lose your, when you don't have any discernment, oh, I wish we had time to really go into this, because I want you to understand the difference between intellect and spiritual knowledge and understanding. There's a big difference, intellect. Adam, had, Adam was intelligent, but he was yet to learn. He was to grow in the area of spiritual understanding. He said, but he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is not judged by no one. For who has known the mind of Christ, the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Therefore, if that be the case, this is where Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 comes in. If then you've been raised with Christ. Raised. I, I like that part. Raised with Christ. Raised with Christ. Elevated with Christ. Sought. Seeking. You see, raised with Christ. First of all, from death to life. Brought forth or resurrected from the dead. We talked about identification. If you then being raised with Christ... Then seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, where Christ is. He's in eternal realm. Seek those things where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And set your mind on things above. Set your mind. I, you see, it's mindset. It is like when, when uh, I drive the car, you know, we have... Uh, uh, What's her name now? The lady in the phone. Siri, we have Siri. But then I also have a navigator that I use every once in a while. But, but what happens, we, we set that thing before we leave home, don't we? We set it. We set it. You say, where do you want to go? You set it. And then if you set it, it will direct you towards the place that you set it. So he says, so now set your mind. Set your mind. Your Siri, tell Siri, set my mind on things above where Christ is, where Christ is, you see. You set your mind on that, of where Christ, things above, not on things on the earth, you see, because if you set your mind on things of the earth, that's all you're going to deal with is earthly things. He says, because you died and your life is hidden with Christ, with Christ's spirit, in God. He says, so now, understand the Spirit of Christ, your mind now, your life now, your mind is set on things above, but your life is hidden with Christ, Jesus the Christ, never being unincarnated, is hidden with Christ in God. He says, but when Christ, who is Jesus, who is the Christ, is the Christ. Now, I, I like the way he puts it because now he is saying he's identified as Christ. 
You see, he is Jesus, but now he just used him Christ. And then now if you just say Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. There's power in the name of Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. But when he said Christ now, he has taken the fullness of Christ is in him bodily. The fullness of the Godhead is in him bodily. So when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So now what do we do? This is what we're talking about. We set our minds. We set our minds. And, and, and then the Philippians say, let this mind. Philippians 2, 5. He said, let this mind. If you let it, it means it's already there, but you got to set it and allow it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So you have more going for you, realize, but you got to use it. He says, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery but he, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. You know those story. So God, but I've got to get this last part because he, he appeared as a man, he humbled himself, even to the point of obedience, even to the point of death. But then it says that God, but God then has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So now we begin to, I, I want you to see the dynamic. As a result of him humbling himself, you set your mind and humbling himself, even to the obedience, even unto death, death on the cross. Therefore, we begin to see this sinless body, the sinless body. We talk about the sinless body of Jesus Christ. We talk about a, a, a body that had bodily functions as any other body. All the bodily functions that you have, Jesus Christ had. Can you imagine that? Jesus had to go to the restroom, to the toilet, or to the field. <laughs> but whatever we do, whatever happened, he had to wash his face. Everything we do, he had to put clothes on. Everything we do, Jesus Christ had to do. But, 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 and, and not only that, he was tempted. Temptations in common. Temptations. In other words, because he was in the flesh, or he, he had flesh, he came in the flesh, he had temptations just like we have temptations. Just like we have temptations. He says, so now it says he's found in the appearance of a man. He looked just like us, and he made himself no reputation. He came like, but he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. So, I like the scripture says that he had to learn obedience though. He had to learn obedience. It wasn't just a matter of Jesus Christ just saying, okay, uh, since I'm Christ, I know what it means to obey. But the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 5, it says that he had to learn obedience. He didn't glorify himself, 5-5, he didn't glorify himself. He got the word, you are my beloved son whom I begotten this day. In other words, I'm bringing you into the knowledge of your sonship this day. I've begotten you. He says, I'm bringing knowledge of your sonship. And he says, you are priest forever, even according. Not only this, I'm showing you that you're priest forever, who in the days of his flesh, yet he was still to suffer in the flesh. When he had offered up, because the reason he suffered, he offered up cries, prayers, and supplications with vehement cries and tears. See, I had seen this where I see it now. Tell him who's able to save him from death. 
that Jesus Christ had to lament. He had to cry out. Did you see this now? In tears. Because he says, I'm crying out to the one. So we, we understand his emptying himself out. He's crying out in tears to the one, to the Father, who's able to save him from death. That's why he says, if it were possible, remove this cup from me. And he says, and he was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son. Now, now we're seeing Jesus in a whole different light. Here Jesus Christ is crying out to the Father. You, 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 you think it's just a simple thing. And, and that's what I said. I said there's a degree of knowledge that we are yet to attain. If we're going to see God move mightily, that, that, that there is something that God desired to reveal to us. And, and, and sometimes, and, and let's look at it this way, as we attain to that, there are things that we have to learn along the way. I don't want it to always be a situation where we pray and we just say, well, let's chalk it up to experience. It didn't happen. No, Lord, teach me what I didn't know, what I didn't see, and that which I didn't understand. Because I'll never get there if I just throw in the towel and say, that's just the way it is. And that's where a whole lot of folk are when things don't turn out the way they would like for them to do. They just kind of chalk it up and say, well, okay, God, well, it, it wasn't supposed to be, therefore. I said, no, no. We want to get past that. He cried out with vehement tears. He cried out. And, and, and he was uh, heard from the Lord, the one that could save him. And I'm praying out even concerning this congregation and, and souls uh, that, that, that are lost today, people that are reluctant to respond rightly to God. You see, that's crying out to God with vehement tears. And then he says, and he was heard. Was he, when was he heard? As a result of his importunity, as a result of his many times of crying out. And because of his godly fear, though he was a son, now if he was a son, how much more should we? Yet he learned obedience. What does that say to you? Yet he learned obedience. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. By the things he suffered. The things he agonized over. He had to learn obedience through the things he agonized over. And understand what God is trying to get us to that place. He says, he had to have a teachable spirit. He had to be the place, he said, Lord, even though he's a son of God, he said, I, Holy Spirit, teach me. I want, the, I want you, Father, to teach me those things that I do not see and know and understand. He learned obedience. I want to I learn what it means to, to surrender my all to you. Now, he's a son of God now, but now he's, a, he's Jesus. He's Jesus. We know Christ. The Christ has knowledge of all things. But Jesus had learned obedience to things he suffered. And, and having been perfected, wait a minute, having been perfected, having been perfected, you see what he's saying here? It is saying, now this word perfected meant not being set free from sin, but learning what it means to totally surrender and humble himself to the will of his Father. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, if he did it, he wants us to obey him. 
He did it. He's finished his. He said it's finished. Now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. But we better pay attention to what he's saying and what he's given us to do. He said, those obey him. He said he was called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We saw that earlier on. But he was after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He's talking, that's almost like a slap in it, in the face. He said, you become dull. You see, in other words, he says, somewhere down the line, you stop growing because you thought you were grown. Somewhere down the line, you thought you had mastered the message and the lesson of love. You lost your appetite. You lost your hunger. Now, there, I would say that uh, he's speaking to a group of people, but the same thing applies. He lost their zeal uh, to know the Lord. And, and, and he says that, he says, but now the objective, Jesus Christ is saying, he said, now listen to me. He said, I finished mine. I finished mine. Now learn from me. Learn how I did it. Learn what I went through. Learn why I went through. And learn what I am passing. I'm, I'm not only passing all the things that's been placed in my hand by the Father, but I'm also placing in your hands my experience. He says, so now all the things that I've gone through, what am I doing? I did it for you so that you can receive the benefit of what I had to suffer. That's what Jesus Christ offers us. I think I better quit here. I'm out of time. But Father, we thank you so much because there's so much you want us to know and to see the hand concerning your son. And yes, Lord, the spirit of Christ which resides within us. May we learn what it means to fully yield to your spirit. Because you realize, Lord, in this day there are many spirits, as there are many Christs, many messiahs, those who want to take your place, replace the Christ that has come, that you sent to the earth in the person of Jesus. But in this, Lord, we want to stay true to the authentic and not be misled and misguided by all the counterfeits. So with this, we give you the honor and the praise and the glory as we've come to study and to learn and to grow. So, Lord, may we apply our hearts to wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Lord, those who are wayward and those that are out of the way, lead them to the path that's straight. May they no longer continue on the path that they've chosen for themselves, but may they know that there's a path that you have designated for them to walk in. And may they walk in that path. So we give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.